My guest today is a proven leader in business who was once called the most respected source on the business of meteorology by the New York Times. That's a big honor right there because there's a lot of these folks out there and he's the biggest and the best. He's defined as the modern day weather forecast and is the founder, president, and chairman of the board of AccuWeather, as well as an active Penn State alumni, which we'll certainly hear a lot about because of where the business is located. So now he'll be joining me on the all business with Jeffrey Hazlett right here on Play.it. I'm talking about Joel Meyer. He's one of the world's most respected business experts, Jeffrey Hazlett. I want to take you behind the scenes on what's happening in business today. And whether you're on Main Street or Wall Street, we're going to find out the secrets behind their success. This is All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Fortinet. Hey, it's good to be talking with you, and I got to ask you right off the bat, because I guess I don't think about this because of the types of businesses I've been in, but why is weather so important to business? Well, businesses often blame the weather for missing earnings estimates, uh, and uh, more and more businesses are awakening uh, to what we've been preaching for decades, and that is uh, varying weather conditions affect sales, they affect operations, uh, they can even affect uh, energy costs, insurance rates, uh, all types of things. If you start digging into the costs and, and uh uh, sources of income of many businesses that are impacted by weather conditions, particularly deviations from normal. Yeah, when you think about it, I, and I and I never did until you and I had gotten together once and we were having a great conversation in my office just chatting, and, and I got to thinking about, wow, how important it is. I mean, we think about things like inventory, like putting the snow shovels in the right place or generators, you know, for retail locations for people to buy when it's bad snow or bad storm seasons. And if you're off by that, that's that could be in the millions of dollars. Millions and sometimes uh, tens of millions, and we've saved companies that much. So first of all, in planning for the season ahead, uh, and obviously a seasonal forecast is not as accurate as the forecast for the next week, but it does have value. Uh, we knew, for example, that this uh, winter in the east was going to be extraordinarily mild, and so that affects where you're going to put snow shovels, for example. You want to have them in the west and not in the northeast in the beginning of the season. But February is going to be quite cold, so you take that into account. And then you can adjust this on a, uh, looking ahead uh, a couple of weeks so that you can make adjustments, and some companies even week by week. So you're overstocked on a particular place, and you ship them from uh, point A to point B. Uh, yeah. When do you run advertisements uh, to sell snow shovels if you're going to run an ad? I'm just picking that because... Uh, mentioned it but it doesn't make sense perhaps to advertise snow shovels if it's 55 degrees and there's no prospect of snow but in some places based on the analytics it may because people want to think buy them then because they may think they're getting them cheaper because it's so warm yeah and when i think about it you know i'm from south dakota and certainly the farming agriculture we're always talking about the weather in big cities they don't talk about it as much although i you do see that a lot more often about talking about the weather used to be you know, I could tell somebody from the big city because they'd say, how do you get to work? And they talk about directions. And then in the country, we, you know, we, we talk about the weather. And so it's a bigger difference. Right. Yeah. See, But uh, I'm going to get into a little bit more about your business, but um, about services, those kind of things. Cause I'm real curious about that because I'd like to know what kind of businesses they're buying certain things and so forth. But before we get that, how did you get started? I mean, you're a professor. 
and and you got started in academia, but now you've got this big business. How did you get AccuWeather started? Well, I, I got fascinated by snow when I was three years old growing up in Philadelphia. Yeah. <clears throat> by the time I was seven, I knew I wanted to be a meteorologist and just started recording the daily weather conditions in a diary that my grandmother gave me day by day. And, and uh, when I was 11, my father showed me an article about a meteorologist in Boston who was selling forecasts to fuel oil dealers, helping them be more efficient with their deliveries, count, accounting for temperature changes and, and a forecast as well as snow. So I said, that's what I want to be. I grew up in a household that didn't have much money, but there was a lot of talk of entrepreneurship and business and, and money. So I uh, had paper routes and did a lot of things as a kid to earn money, mainly to support my coin collection. But uh, I was fascinated with that a concept, and I had a burning desire to be a weather forecaster. And when there was the opportunity, at least theoretically, to combine the two, I was excited. I had the opportunity to go to Penn State, which was the state university. It was virtually the only college my parents could afford to send me to. And it turned out that Penn State had the number one meteorological program in the world. So I was extremely lucky. Wow. Yeah. I owe a lot to Penn State. And I got a great education. But more than that, I got terrific mentorship. And actually, the first client I got was uh, referred to me by a professor, <clears throat> uh, Dr. Charles Hosler, who was a great mentor. And uh, as a result of that, I started this business as a second-year graduate student, building them one client at a time. Wow. And what was the original service, the forecasting, or, or what was it? <clears throat> yeah, forecasting. My first client was a natural gas company that needed temperature forecasts in order to anticipate what the demand would be for natural gas. Wow. Then I got fascinated with artificial snowmaking for ski areas. It was a new process then. And uh, having a, a background in science, I understood how the artificial snowmaking efficiency and process was impacted by temperature and uh, moisture in the air, in other words, dew point or relative humidity, wind and so on. So I was able to help the ski areas plan and make snow in the best time. <clears throat> Sometimes they would have a crew there spending thousands of dollars an hour and it was just, and, and the snow guns were just pumping out water. And they said, we don't understand. It's 28 degrees. <laughs> it's below freezing. We should be able to make good snow. But I said, well, the humidity is 95%, so you don't get the evaporative cooling. So no, it's effectively 33 degrees and you can't make snow under those conditions. And making a forecast then so they could decide to plan when to bring in the snowmaking crew, save them money, and they also were able to have better snow for the weekend when the people came. So I started developing that business out of different kinds of clients in the business arena. It wasn't until nine years later, 1971, that I uh, finished my PhD and started getting radio stations, television stations, and newspapers and went into the media part of AccuWeather's business. Now, and that's the, is that the biggest part? Because, I, I mean, if I know you from anywhere, although now I, I, it's my one of my favorite apps, um, although there's other weather apps out there, I've always found yours to be, you know, like one of the best. So I really like it a lot because, it's one, it's very intuitive. Two, it's got a lot more things than 
other others do. So, um, and you're the one that actually showed that to me because I had the standard one and you showed it to me. And I mean, I lo- loved it. Deleted the other one off right off the bat, and I've been using it ever <laughs> since. Well, but well, but thank you very much, Jeff. Yeah, I appreciate well, it. Well, I'm you know, I don't look. I don't say things I don't like. So you know, if I like it, I say it. So I I like to walk that talk. But when uh, but if I think about you guys, I remember you know, no matter where I go anywhere in the country, I, they always talk about the AccuWeather uh, forecast. And, and so it's always on TV, always on radio. Is that the biggest part of your business? Well, it, it was. Uh, now, uh, as you say, AccuWeather.com, our apps that you can download <clears throat> on a global basis is the biggest part of our business. We reach 1.5 billion people a day. We get 13 billion requests each 24-hour period for data. Uh, so uh, that has become the biggest source uh, the biggest uh, source of revenue for us. And the reason is it's all the foundation of superior accuracy. It's all the things you mentioned, ease of use, highly rated apps, uh, responsive to what people want, but also in the end, superior accuracy. I didn't choose AccuWeather lightly, AccuWeather meaning accuracy plus weather. And uh, I've always been dedicated, and we've put a lot of resources in and continue to, to have the most accurate forecast available from any source from everywhere on the planet. Uh, we bring more weather data in from all over the world than any other place on Earth. We have more computer models that we access and use and input, and it's complicated, but we use artificial intelligence and all types of algorithms and expertise <clears throat> to provide a base of the most accurate forecast. And then we have skilled meteorologists, a hundred of them, that add value in different ways, and that's how we come out with the most accurate forecast. So that's our biggest business, but also television, radio, newspaper. We have over 2,000 of those clients that we serve, mainly in the United States, but we serve television stations in Belgium, for example, with the AccuWeather forecast and so on. So the brand is global. Uh, We recently did a a joint venture in China uh, to bring the accuracy and the skills to the Chinese population and so on. So... Uh, very exciting developments all around the world, but we, the business side continues to grow. We serve 240 of the Fortune 500 companies and thousands of other businesses and cities and counties and states for their snow fighting operation, for them to be more efficient, school systems to decide when to take a snow day or a delay. Uh, so any business that's weather sensitive or government agency can profit from using our service. Yeah, so let me let me go back to something you raised when you were talking about your early days, that diary that you got from your grandmother. You still have that diary? I do. Yeah, do you really? Do you do you do you how do you keep track of weather? Do you I had my 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 wife, grandfather, we actually have the little notepad he used to write the weather down every single day at the farm. And and we have that in our possession. Is do you still I mean do you still write things down like that or do you are you got to be using the app or something? No, I don't, uh, you know, write them down anymore. I've got a staff that knows more than me about weather forecasting. <laughs> yeah. you, you got a couple hundred people or more that are, t- that are telling you, writing it down for you. That seems better. <laughs> yeah, they, they got more technology and, 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 and so on than I dreamed about, but uh, we've all built that up as a team. But uh, I still have the, the diaries. In fact, I donated all that uh, to Penn State, to the, the weather station, so they have some of these old diaries and original things that I'm proud of, and, and, and luckily they thought it was worthwhile. 
putting some of that on display. So, Well, I tell you what, I'm going to get to Penn State right after this, but I want to talk about uh, Duncan for a second because they're the guys that make this happen for me. And I always talk about my morning cup of Duncan Espresso helps me tackle every single day at the office, and I pick up Duncan Espresso every morning as I walk to work here when I'm in New York. I, I walk to work, and they help me take it on the day, every day, because I grab actually not one but four espressos. So I have a quad espresso. I head into Dunkin' and I choose one of their, you know, 15,000 options. That's what you can do. And maybe even treat yourself to a donut. I don't know. What's your favorite? Do you have a favorite donut, by the way, Joel? I do not. Yeah? Well, all business with Jeffrey Hazlett and America runs on Dunkin'. So thanks for letting me take that break. I'm going to I want to take coffee. I, I love uh, Dunkin' coffee. Is that right? Good for you. Fantastic. What do you, how do you take your coffee? Black. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a straight kind of guy. Every once in a while, I go for some cream and sugar just to sweeten it up and change it. But I but I typically do like it black and straight and hard. So it's a good. You know, it was interesting because when I I did a television episode on Duncan, and w- one of the biggest things they do is that they kind of have a cadence of coming into their corporate headquarters um, at at like like a lot of the guys that come in and make the donuts and get the coffee ready and everything. And they said the biggest impact on their business is the weather. And they monitor the weather with a big map. I'm, I'm assuming they have it from you guys. And, and what they do is they, they can determine how to help the franchises and corporate-run operations by the weather. And that's a big thing. They can determine sales by weather. And I thought that was, that was very unique. And I, and I, I kind of knew that after I'd already talked to you, so that helped me open my eyes. But I just thought that was very, very impressive that they monitor it as, as much as they do. Well, yeah, this is an area that many companies can improve on uh, and, and by using analytics and, and uh, allowing us to correlate the weather conditions with whatever, whether it's sales or which type of coffee people order or uh, which kind of donuts they order on different weather days, and it's different in Seattle and it is mm-hmm. in New York. You know, a rainy day has a different impact in different parts of the country and, and so on, but there are definitely correlations and impact of all of these things, and, and we're helping companies uh, wake up and, and, and benefit uh, from that so they can be more efficient in not only serving uh, customers' needs but also uh, – being more profitable and more responsive to the right kind of thing, a lot of which is influenced by the weather, but not solely. But many times the weather is ignored, and it helps explain uh, what the factors are. And it's interesting, just like weather forecasts need to be the most accurate, past weather conditions need to be the most accurate. And sometimes when companies try to do this on their own, they don't pick up the subtleties. For example, Mm -hmm. you, you get standard weather records and it may say there was a quarter of an inch of rain well one day that quarter of inch of rain might have been an all-day light rain or drizzle it was cloudy dull dismal another day you get a quarter of inch of rain in a 10-minute shower and the rest of the day sunny totally different days but if you just try to run a correlation it may feed in the same way same thing with temperatures if there's missing data uh it may be entered as 999 for the high temperature when in fact it was 73 but it wasn't so we correct all that so the data is cleansed and so the results are better yeah which you can more predictability i mean i'm even thinking about geez you know if it's got bad weather and you know it's bad weather coming during certain hours you'd want to impact your radio buys you know for instance for drive time 
Um, yeah. You know, let me go go back. I want to go back to the uh, Penn State University. You, you know, you founded it while you were there, and I know you're still still very close to them. What what are the benefits? What are the benefits to you to being associated with the university? And then, what do you think the benefits overall for a company that I mean, is it a good thing, bad thing? I want to get into that kind of. So for you, what was it? I mean, what were the benefits of being so tied to the university? Well, it's a great question. Um, I uh, cut my degrees, and then I was on the faculty. So AccuWeather grew up around me, and I was, and then I cut back to teaching part time. But I taught until 1981. Then I retired from teaching because I had 80 employees, and that was my main focus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, then I ran for the board of trustees and served on the board at Penn State for 33 years, um, and, and ho- hopefully gave back and contributed. Uh, to Penn State uh, because they meant a lot to me, mean a lot to me. I would have never achieved what I did without the great education and the mentoring and the experience at Penn State. Being a firm and totally separate from the university, in-state college has advantages and disadvantages. State college is a a great town, a great place. Uh, uh, Low crime, uh, no pollution, uh, one of the top school systems in the country. Uh, and so on. So it's a great community to raise a family. And a lot of cultural events because you have a, one of the great universities here. <clears throat> Prior to 9-11, we, uh, more so than now, experienced some difficulty in getting uh, top people to move here from the big cities. Uh, as we've grown and more uh, visibility and, and more impact, and, and some of society and culture we have changed, uh, we're having less difficulty in that regard. Uh, and people who come here, uh, you know, it's a great environment to live in. Uh, it, and, and we have, of course, over time, opened other offices. We have a development office in Montreal. We have an office in Midtown Manhattan, uh, Severe Weather Center in Wichita. Uh, we have development offices in Oklahoma. Uh, and this past year, we've opened offices in Beijing, uh, Tokyo, Seoul, and in India. Mm-hmm. So uh, we are truly becoming a global company, but our headquarters remains at State College, Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I, I do know others that are tied to university, but in a big way, um, you and then uh, there's a good friend of mine, Al Kurtenbach, who runs Dactronics, and they're right there at South Dakota State University in my home state. And, and it's a big place for employment for young people getting out of school and while they're in school because they actually manufacture product there too. So I would imagine you're picking up students, though, as well for internships and things along those lines. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, not only from Penn State, but certainly we have a lot of interns and, and we have op- employment opportunities. And, uh, uh, of course, a lot of people want to stay in State College and are talented, whether meteorologists or IT folks and so on uh, have an opportunity uh, to, to get a job here and uh, I was lucky in teaching the weather forecasting course at Penn State for 20 years you know I had the opportunity to see some of the best forecasters and and hire them so the nucleus of AccuWeather's forecasters uh, is a result of, of me hiring some of the best students that I had is in my weather forecasting course over 20 years. Yeah. So as as over the years the business has changed, what's the biggest thing that you've seen change? You know, I, I look back over some of the materials for the company and you moved to a free website, you know, for instance, in I think it was 96. 
but yet I knew that you were selling most of the models to either companies or to TV and, and media. So you moved to the free a free website. I, w- I would imagine that was kind of a little bit controversial too, right, to, to make that shift? Absolutely, and that's a, that's yeah. a good point. I think, to give the overview, what's been exciting for me is uh, the teaching and uh, espousing the entrepreneurial spirit throughout the company. Obviously, I had it. That's how AccuWeather started in creating a, an environment of uh, entrepreneurism and what that means and what the components of that are and uh, constantly changing and reinventing ourselves, uh, realizing that creative destruction is part of the world today. And uh, if we're not part of it, if we're not leading it, others are going to do it. So to survive, companies have to be willing to change, embrace new things. And the point you bring up is, is excellent. Back in the early mid-90s, of course, the Internet started to bubble up, and, and some people here said, well, we can't, you can't put AccuWeather forecasts on the Internet. We're <laughs> yeah. selling these forecasts to companies for 5000 10000 15000 a year. Yeah. If you put our forecasts on the Internet, that business is going to go away. Yeah. And uh, my answer was, and, and other, other people who were right, is that, hey, we can't change the world. The Internet now exists. Uh, if we don't do it, Others are going to do it, and uh, so we still. What they're going to get on the internet site is not the tailoring, the detail, necessarily, or the impact on their business. Uh, the end result. So, uh, but what the result has been, of course, is the public has gotten much better information as a result of that, uh, because they have access to a lot of the basic information that helps them live their lives better. Uh, but we didn't know that in the beginning, and of course. One great thing we had going for us is our brand, which had been promoted. And so, uh, but originally there was, uh, people didn't realize that it was an AccuWeather.com. They thought AccuWeather belonged to individual television stations, radio stations, sure. and so on. But uh, gradually, you know, as we got more apps out there and got more uh, publicity around that, and people discovered it and on their own. They would tell friends. It's amazing how the grass roots caused the growth, the continual growth of our website and then the mobile site and our apps, downloading apps because they know about AccuWeather. And so um, that's what's been exciting, how the company keeps changing. And now, of course, we're working with uh, some of these wearable devices, working with uh, uh, over-the-top on television, work, working with uh, uh smart homes and, uh, and and smart cars and, and to give people more information and better information to help them in their activity, whether it's outside activity, sports, driving, traveling, uh, energy efficiency in their home, and so on. And, and the key to all that is being a great partner and always delivering more than you promise. Uh, I'm very proud of the fact that uh, when we work for a client, it's usually very long term. Um, you know, we went to work for ABC, now owned by Disney, in 1972. They're still our clients today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we point to that. So many major brands that have worked with us for 10, 15, 20 years. And that's very important. That's part of our culture, to be a great partner. And, and we're privately held. So we don't need to make money each quarter. Uh, even the first year or two when we go into a relationship with a company. 
We'd like to. We try. But in some cases, we look at the long term. <clears throat> what is this going to mean over the next five years? And and how do we be a good partner so it's a win-win for us and, and whoever the client is? Yeah, so how has your role changed, Joel? I mean, you've been now you started the you founded the company and of course it's been decades so so how is your role changing each and every day well i think the biggest change is i've got more and more great competent people uh, to execute and to uh, that have embraced my dream and carried it forward and and uh, contribute through innovation and uh, uh getting the message out and and uh, developing new services so that's been exciting uh as we've grown we have more and more competent more experienced people that contribute to the growth uh but i still come up with ideas you know i'm the the entrepreneur uh the uh uh, along with other people and i'm not saying a couple of all of them because no no way uh is that the case because we've got a lot of people contributing a lot of ways but for me innovation is important driving the success of the businesses, um, making sure that uh, they are making progress in growth and revenue and ultimately profitability, and uh, working with the other executives on the executive team uh, to move the company forward. You know, we've grown each of the 53 years we've been in business. We've only had two declines in revenue year over year. Uh, So 51 out of 53 years have been uh, years of growth, and uh, that's exciting, and that shows yeah, cool. how we keep reinventing ourselves, creating new products, creating new uh, services that have value to the public, uh, through our websites, through subscription sites, and to all the businesses and media partners that we have. Yeah, isn't it neat? You, you mentioned you know not coming up with all ideas. Isn't it nice when you sit in a meeting or you're you're talking to an employee somewhere, maybe it's at lunch or whatever, or just in the hall having a cup of coffee or something. And, and, and when you're having that discussion, they come up with a great idea. Isn't it great to hear that from them and see them do it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Very exciting. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but you have to – but I think one of the roles that, that we have to play, and it, I know that you play this role having talked to you, is you, you have to make sure that you can keep pushing those good ideas through, right? Because sometimes somebody comes up with a great idea, but it doesn't always get through to the rest of the folks or they don't see it or they give all the reasons why they can't do it. Do you find yourself being a champion for that sometimes? Absolutely, uh, I do. Uh, but it's not just me. But it, and the key to ideas, I have too many ideas, and we have too many ideas. Is, yep. uh, picking the right ideas and focusing on the right, uh, making sure you have the judgment. What are the right things to develop, and you don't always pick right. But successful companies do pick the things that ought to be developed in the next six months or a year, and focus on those. Because if you try and do everything, you get nothing done. Yeah, that's I. I just wrote that down because I always have like learnings, and that's I think a good learning I've got. Hey, let me uh, talk about some you know, talk about great ideas and talk about the seasons. Liberty Tax, great to have good folks from Liberty Tax on board all business. Liberty is the fastest growing retail tax preparation firm ever in the world, with over four thousand offices across North America, and it's a great seasonal franchise opportunity. Speaking of weather. 
So it, if you're looking to get into the business or add another service to your business or just get a great tax prep services as we uh, wrap up the year, look to Liberty. And I know that people do listen and uh, we've sold some franchises as a result of this. So that's great. So thanks Liberty very much for being a part of it. So when you, when we, uh, speaking of changes and the seasons and things like that, how has serving your clients or customers changed for you over the 50 years? Well, obviously, um, we uh, so many examples and so many changes, but um, when just in radio broadcasts, you know, we used to call them in over the phone, and then we got uh, mics that tied in, even though we do all the radio broadcasts from State College, Pennsylvania, and they appear on radio stations around the country, uh, the quality, so it sounds like we're right in the studio. Right. Uh, that has been upgraded, and I'm sure you know the technicalities of that being in the business. Uh, we used to... Uh, uh, just brief television station meteorologist, but now we actually do some uh, telecasts here where <clears throat> stations will outsource some of their telecasts to us, and, it, and yet it appears like we're at the station. Obviously, we've launched the AccuWeather Network uh, that uh, replaced the Weather Channel on Verizon, and that was an exciting new uh, development. Uh, we got the fa first fax machine in the state of Pennsylvania back in 1971. <laughs> was it that uh, silver? Was it that silver paper? Do you remember it that? It was. It was a Xerox telecopier. It was called, and it cost. It took six minutes yeah. <laughs> to send the fax. Yeah. And I remember uh, we served a trucking company in California, and it cost uh, fifty cents a minute, even on a watch line, to. Send that, so it costs three dollars to send one sheet. Yeah, you you just used another term. Most people are listening to this because I got a lot of millennials and a lot of young people who listen to this. Uh, many, many tens and tens of thousands, if not over a hundred thousand, and they don't know what the heck a watts line is. <laughs> right. I know what a watts line is, but they don't have a clue what a watts line. That's a big, huge phone line, was what we're talking about, folks. So it's huge. It's an old wire line that you used to have in the, and that, that was like before the internet, before you had a T1 line or, or, you know, a big ethernet, you had this Watts line. And, and by the way, I'm just going to refresh everybody's memory. You used to set, you used to have a machine that was a duplicate of the one that you had on the, and so you had one in state college, Pennsylvania, and one in California, and one would send it to the other and you had this drum that would spin and spin and spin and spin and spin and you would get this fax and then you would have to retype it on a sheet of paper so people could read it. So you could make copies of that. It was bizarre. But that, yep, that, yep. Was, that was the day. The big silver paper. It was this ugly silver paper. I remember that. Hey, I, I, need, right. I need to jump into some rapid-fire questions. I want to ask you, this is, a, like, this is to test your knowledge of Penn State University. And, and I'm, I don't know if you're going to ace this. You know, and i got to tell you right off the bat, Joel, no one ever wrote. I've only had one person answer every question right one so so here we go are you ready i'm ready all right the student body chose the nittany lion as the penn state mascot in what year oh my god uh 1906 that's that's correct wow how did you know that or did you just take a wild ass guess i knew it was around there yeah. uh it must have been in the back of my mind somewhere well, very good. Okay, I, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, but I hope I got it right. The famous uh, Berkey uh, Creamery, is that right, Berkey? Right. Okay, Creamy only allows visitors to have one flavor at a time, except on a special visitor in 1996, who was the first person at the Creamery allowed to combine two flavors? 
Well, I spoke to him before he went to the creamery that day. He spoke at the graduate, um, uh, the graduation of the graduates. It was President Bill Clinton. It was. That's correct. You got two. Oh, I, I, uh, man, you got three more to go. Okay, three more. You might, right. you might, you might actually. I, I don't know. We're gonna see. All right, let's go to the next one. Aside of the amusing, popular reference, what is the usual cause? of a large-scale yellow snow effect, weather effect, seen in certain parts of the world. Repeat that one, I'm sorry. Okay, so aside from the amusing popular reference to yellow snow, okay, what's the large-scale yellow snow weather effect seen in certain parts of the world? So it's not actually, you know, yellow on snow, but it looks like yellow snow. I don't know. It could only be shining through the, uh, the sun or from some a kind of... Uh, <clears throat> nice try. No. Not going to work. Know, but I don't know what it's called. It's pollen. Pollen. So, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Some, okay. You, yeah. Uh, you know, certain places, the pollen spreads. Okay, well, that was, it was a good try. All right. The old main building is known as, as um, to many on campus, is the old, oldest building on your campus and the location of the president's office. However, this was not the building's first function. What was it? It was a dormitory and a classroom for the uh, students. That's correct, but that's partly correct, but what before that was it? Well, it was the old Farmers High School. Okay, well, here's what I have. At the time, students were required to do three hours of manual labor a day as part of their curriculum. And most of the work was around finishing the construction of the building, so it was used as a construction training for, uh, a project. I didn't know that. That part I did not know. Yeah, that, that's kind of interesting, actually. I thought that it was, is. That's yeah. a, actually, you know what? They should do more of that, don't you think? Cause that would be I cool. do. I, I really do. I think, first of all, the college students could say, hey, we built that second you know, it teaches some basic training, which I think most of us need. And quite frankly, I think most students need to sweat a little bit. That would be good. All right. Here, here's the last question. What color of a single rainbow is on the inside of the rainbow's arc, given the generally defined seven-color rainbow? Blue. Not violet. Violet. I didn't know that. Well, uh, blue and violet are pretty close. Yeah, they're pretty close. Yeah, that's nice. Try. That was good. That was a good try. Hey, I want to give you a chance for any kind of shameless plug that you'd like. Anything at all that you'd like to talk about because you've been just great coming and talking to me about, about AccuWeather and the business and the business of being in the weather, which I always love. And, uh, and, and as we've come to find out, very doggone important to us. Well, obviously I want to put a pitch in uh, for AccuWeather.com for our, our apps uh, and because uh, it, it benefits everybody. We have more accurate forecasts. We have better data. Uh, you'll be happy with uh, the apps in all respect, and they're geared to making people's lives better and uh, making better decisions around the weather and uh, having the best information. So um, we're very proud of that. We've worked very hard uh, uh, to make sure we have the most accurate, most useful weather forecast and information uh, on the apps and on our mobile site. And uh, uh, so uh, I think it's a win-win for people to uh, download our apps. Uh, and, and you can do that on any phone. We have, uh, we serve every type of phone with an AccuWeather app. You just have to go and obviously download it and they're free. So uh, 
they're advertising supported. We obviously do have paid apps too with more detailed information, but there's a, a ton of great information, including MinuteCast, which is a unique product we have, which gives for your location, minute by minute forecast of precipitation. So it will tell you at your house or wherever you happen to be, if you allow it to know your location without giving out any other information, Rain will begin in 19 minutes. It'll become heavy in 26 minutes. Yep. It'll turn to snow in an hour and 12 minutes, and uh, and so on. So uh, we also have hour-by-hour hour forecasts out through 72 hours. And, of course, a 15-day forecast. Uh, we have 45-day forecasts available all for free on our website. And soon we'll be expanding the 15- to 45-day even on our apps. Wow, which is awesome because you want to plan your vacations, you want to plan a weekend. That's a pretty good thing to do. You know, the other thing, Joel, I got to tell you, I used the hour by hour back in South Dakota because I was home for the holidays and I had to go travel. And a big snowstorm was coming, didn't know when. And, you know, I went on the app, figured it out, and I figured, well, you know, the, the actual heavier snow is not going to hit until like 6 a.m. My flight's at 6 a.m. I'm going to be safe. You know, so I, I was going to, because otherwise I was going to fly out Sunday night, leave early, you know, which I didn't want to do. I'd like to stay home as much as possible. And, and that's, that's, and that saved me, saved me from having to fly out a night, a day early, a night early and made sure that, you know, I wasn't going to miss my flight the next day. So as long as the plane got in the night before I was good and that's exactly how I used it. So I thought it was great. Good example. Well, thank you. Thanks yeah. for that plug. Yeah. That's just a great example of how people can benefit from, uh, information we provide yep. yeah well joel you're it's been a pleasure i always love visiting with you we've become good friends and i enjoy it and uh and i love to listen to the stories about the things that you're doing and the success you've had because without question you've been one of the biggest entrepreneurs and oh i gotta put in another thing hey tell me about well, I, this is exciting because i read this tell me about the beavers uh, stadium weather vane Oh, well, thanks. And by the way, you know, I love talking to you, too, and you ask great questions. So I appreciate was, uh, that. Delightful. Uh, well, I've, I've given back to Penn State uh, in a variety of ways, and one of the uh, things I've done is a walk-in sundial at the Arboretum, but also the third largest weather vane in the world. It weighs a little over one ton. Wow. It is a uh, 10-foot-long uh, Nittany Lion out of metal sculpture it sits atop Beaver Stadium and shows which way the wind is blowing. Uh, as uh, uh, Coach Paterno said when uh, uh, he learned that it was going to be put up there, he said, well, I'm still going to pick up uh, a plot of grass and throw it into the air to see which way the wind is blowing <laughs> down at field level. So, uh, but uh, uh, it, it was exciting working with a developer of this and having it mounted up there and uh, – uh, so I, I enjoyed the whole process and was lucky to be able to contribute that way. Did you come up with the idea? I did. Yeah, I figured so. I, I just knew it. I knew it. And I, what a cool thing. That's what I like. I, you're always hustling, always thinking, always coming up with ideas, and, and it never stops. And I bet uh, that's, that's a great thing. Hey, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it so much. I really do, Joel. Same here, Jeff. Have All a right. great day. All right. Cheers, Brent. Taking you behind the scenes of what's happening in the business world, Jeffrey Hazlett hosts All Business, brought to you by Fortinet. I tell you, after every show, I like to talk about what have I learned, and I learned a couple of different things. One, 
you know, I'm always amazed at how big the weather does play. And that was the biggest thing I learned. I talk about that on the show a little bit. That uh, does have an impact in forecasting or moving inventory around or on sales. Like I was talking about my good friends at Duncan. They can tell sales are going to be up or down based on the weather. And based on the fact that they might have more in one area or another, they go call and help them out or tell them it's coming. Are you prepared? Are you prepared for people coming in? Prepared for, you know, maybe you want to lay off people a little bit in the afternoon and send them home early because it's going to be a slow because of the weather? Things like that. The second thing I thought was really good about here's a guy who's been doing this business for a decade. First of all, he said change is always going to be the norm. And I thought that was great because you're always going to see a change and you have to deal with it differently. And sometimes you have to put things in place like he did on the putting it online and now in apps and giving away for free when people said, hey, we usually charge for that in order to expand and do something different for his business. That was big and courageous. But he said, hey, there's lots of ideas in business. You have to pick and choose and then focus. And don't forget to do that. So that's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on CBS Play.it. Don't forget, tell your friends and have them listen. I need more subscribers. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.